Welcome to The Good Complex. My name is Jeff Jones. It's my privilege to be the host of these conversations. If you wonder what The Good Complex is all about, well, in a world that is animated by fear and anger, where we're losing the ability to just listen to each other, if there's any hint of disagreement, The Good Complex is an alternative universe to all of that, an opportunity to set aside the noise and to choose to listen to each other, to set aside differences for what we have in common, a desire for the common good. Uh, in the good complex, we feature not the bad things that are happening in the world that maybe you could argue are getting worse, but in fact, we're focused on the good things, tremendous good that is happening in the world every day where people are making bold and sacrificial choices to choose love, uh, to choose the common good, and if you, if you look at that long enough, you'll actually develop a good complex. After a while, it'll be about all you can see. And that's our goal. And so today is a great example of the kind of conversations we have. Sometimes these are critical conversations around a topic with people who perhaps disagree to take a fresh look to say, hey, how can we come together? Other stories like the one today are stories of sacrificial love. And uh, in, in this one is about the sacrifice that forgiveness represents. But before we jump into the story, let me introduce you to our guest. Uh, this is Kent Whitaker. Kent, thank you hey, so Jeff. much. So glad to be here. It's been it's been wonderful to get to know you. I know people who know you, and they're great PR people. They think you're amazing, <laughs> and uh, and so I've been looking. Well, forward. I pay him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you must, you must. So, uh, you are from Sugarland, Texas. Mm -hmm which sounds like the most fun place on the planet, like Sugarland, you know, well, it's right? It's a pretty cool town. It's a little town. Uh, it's a suburb of Houston, and it got its name because Imperial Sugar, who was one of the major uh, sugar suppliers for many, many years, uh, that's where they lived, and that's where they began. Okay, so if you're in Sugarland, mm -hmm. right? So, you, you know, you got to like candy, I would think. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm going to ask you a candy question, okay, okay. since you're, this is Sugarland. So... Uh, Americans eat about 25 pounds of candy every year, average mm -hmm. American, two pounds on Halloween. So I want you to picture yourself on Halloween, all right? Yeah. You've got a whole bag full of candy mm -hmm. laid out on a table. Um, which, which candy, which type of candy do you pick first, and which one do you throw away? My favorite is, uh, like, chocolate and uh Caramel and nuts, you know, Snickers, yeah, or, yeah. or even I really like Heath bars. To be honest with I'm you, I'm with you. Yeah, um, I'm not a big fan of the Peeps. Uh, yeah. Those are the ones I throw away first. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm, yeah. There's something wrong with it. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. And uh, so your story that we're going to dive into today is an amazing one, um, and amazing enough that you've you've been on Oprah, 2020, 48 Hours, People Magazine, and so on. And I feel like I have a little connection to Oprah because uh, one time out in California, I was on a golf course and putting on the putting green. <laughs> and uh, and I looked over and it was Stedman, you know, yeah. Oprah's guy, uh -huh. you know, there. Oprah's, I don't know, not husband, but partner. whatever. Yep. And uh, so we struck up a very short conversation, yeah. but I felt like we bonded, you know, a mm -hmm. little bit. They'd never invited me over. Mm -hmm. I never got to meet Oprah, but you've gotten to meet Oprah. Yeah. So so what is what is Oprah really like <laughs> <laughs> um oprah is the queen bee she knows what she wants and uh at the time i was on her show it was mm, a dozen years ago i guess um and at that time she was at the height and there were dozens of people hovering around her during the breaks uh and she yeah. just uh, was in total charge of She's the of her professional show. professional. Very, yeah. very. Yeah. And it, entering her facilities was like entering literally uh, a government facility where you left your keys, your phone, everything in a zip white bag locked at the front door before you got inside. Oh. And then there was a handler with you the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. We're a little bit more laid back here. Yeah, at they the certainly are. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, as we jump into the story, you know, these are stories of, of sacrificial love often. And, and forgiveness is a sacrificial thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. It's, it a, it's a hard expression of love. And, um, and we're, we're certainly going to see that played out. But before we jump into the story, I was just, as you think about forgiveness, since this is a forgiveness story, mm -hmm. what, 
introductory thing would you have to say about forgiveness as a choice? Uh, well, first place, it is a choice. But uh, and as you'll see, you know, when we're talking here, I'm just a just a normal goober that had something big happen. And uh, I think the biggest lesson that I learned through this experience I had was that uh, people think that you have to forget something if you're going to forgive somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's totally ridiculous. Um, Some things are just too big to forget. We only forget trivial stuff. Uh, So that's get rid of that idea. Forgiveness is not forgetting. No, you have to remember sometimes to create uh, healthy boundaries to protect yourself from being hurt again. That's one of the big ones. There's yeah. two or three others. Okay, we'll come back. We'll yeah. we'll we'll dive into yeah. it. Uh, so here's the as we get into the story. So you you know we have some friends in common. So mm-hmm. um, I know that you guys, when this story began, uh, you were kind of the the model family, right? You yeah, you and your so. wife Trisha had a wonderful marriage. You mm-hmm. have two sons who love each other, and mm-hmm. you, you love them, and they love you, and. Uh, Bart and Kevin, your sons. Uh, in fact, you were celebrating a milestone mm-hmm. um, the day of this event. Yes. Your son's uh, oldest son, Bart's, graduation from, from college. Mm-hmm. He'd finished his finals and was wanting to go out and celebrate. Okay. So you went out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, I'm sure, a happy evening. It was wonderfully, evening. yes. So then you, uh, you all, all four of you, drive home go into your house to what ended up being the surprise of your lifetime, mm-hmm. to say the least. So tell us what happened from there that night. When we got back from dinner, uh, my younger son, Kevin, who was 19 at the time, uh, led the way, and he went inside the house. Uh, there was a loud noise. Tricia, who was right behind him, uh, said, oh, no, and another loud noise. And... Um, Jeff, to be honest with you, uh, I didn't recognize those sounds. Yeah. Uh, the fact that uh, there might be an assassin in my own home just was too bizarre. I mean, I've got six or seven guns of my own. I just didn't realize that that's what that was. Hmm. So I stepped up to the door to look inside, see what was happening. Because they were already inside. You were sort yes, of Yes, I was the in. third one in line. Yeah. And uh, the third duck. And when we, when I looked in... There was a man standing there in a ski mask, maybe seven or eight feet away, really close. But it still didn't compute. I know you're going to think I'm nuts, but my first reaction was, I wonder which one of Kevin's, my younger son's, goofball friends Mm -hmm. is playing a trick on us with the paintball gun. Right. Well, it wasn't a paintball gun. And the next moment, I was hit hard in the chest, and I fell back out of the door onto the front porch, and I couldn't get up. And that's when I realized that those sounds had been gunshots. And there had been three of them, one for each of us. And before I could call out and warn Bart, there was a fourth blast from deep inside the house. Wow. So you're you're lying on the ground at this yes. point, I guess, immobilized. Yeah. Not knowing. No, but I, I'll tell you, um, some of your viewers here probably have experienced this, but it's an odd thing to realize that you might actually be dying. And what surprised me about it was how calm I was. They said, well, okay, if this is Hmm. when I die, I told God I was ready to go. Um, I wasn't finished with all I wanted to do, but if this was it, just look after my family, protect them. And I called out to each of them, uh, but I couldn't get any replies, except I heard um, Tricia with some kind of quiet, wet coughs. Hmm. And I had never heard that kind of cough before. But instinctively, I knew it was the sound of someone trying to clear their lungs from filling with blood. And I looked down at my white shirt, and by that time, it was solid red. Um, Well, the police were there almost immediately, and they were rushing around securing the house, and then the paramedics started, and three of them were trying to keep me alive. But nobody would tell me anything Mm. about my family until I overheard two cops as they were rushing in the house. One asked, well, what do you want to do about the DOA, Mm. which is dead on arrival? And that was how I learned that at least one, and I didn't know, maybe by now, all of my family was dead. Mm. 
can't imagine. No, I realized I was going into shock. But um, what happened next was that um, two life flight helicopters landed in uh, one at a time in the cul-de-sac in front of our house, and they took Tricia and I to Houston Medical Center. And Bart joined me there a few minutes later by ambulance. Now, later I learned that they had actually stopped working on Tricia about halfway through the flight and that Kevin had actually died almost instantly right inside our front door. Okay. So you you end up, you're there in your hospital, in the hospital bed, trying to come to grips with all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and come to grips with why this had happened. Um, Bart had been shot in the arm, supposedly wrestling with the shooter inside the house. Uh, so I had no idea why this happened or who had done this, but I did know that I was really mad at God. I mean, my emotions were everywhere, and they kept going back to this desire for revenge. I just wanted to hurt this person. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, there just was no reason for this that I, I knew of. And But then it would, as soon as I got to that hatred and revenge, I would immediately turn it over and say, God, why did you allow this? Yeah. Why did you do this? And uh, I was really confused, too, because there was a, a verse that I'd heard about in the Bible. I'd actually used it before in talking to people who were suffering loss. Uh, and it said something like, uh, and we know that with God, all things work together for good who love him and right. are called to his service. I think it's Romans eight twenty eight. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking... Well, that's a lie. Yeah, how does that compute? Yeah. 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 There's no way that my wife's murder and son's murder are going to be able to be worked for good. And so I was wondering, are you lying to me? I mean, what else is there in the Bible that if I'm relying on it at the very time I need it, turns out to be a lie? But the problem, Jeff, was that while I'm just a normal guy, I had come to... Uh, believe that Jesus died on my for on my behalf and so I called myself a Christian and I knew that uh, I didn't want to face uh, the next 10 minutes much less mm. the next 10 right. years right uh, without God there to help me through this because I was lost I was so emotionally lost and so I told God I don't know how you're going to do it but I can't afford to lose you, you lose your presence right now. I'm not going to deny the fact that you might be able to do this somehow, and I just can't figure it out. Right. So I told him, um, I believe that you are somehow going to work this for good for somebody, for something. Yeah. And that's when the first of two really weird things happened. Because normally, I mean, God doesn't speak to me uh you know, like he did to Moses or something. Uh, usually, when I hear from God, it's because I'm either praying and there'll be a little quiet whisper in the back of my head, and I'm thinking, well, was that really God or mm -hmm. was that just me? Or, right. And then other times I'll be reading the Bible and a verse will jump off the page and it'll be the answer to something that I've been struggling with. But that night, he gave me a word for word sentence, and I'd I'd had that happen to me once before about 25 years earlier. And and the message was, the, 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 the sentence was, good, now what about the shooter? Okay, yeah. What does that mean? Well, thinking about it, I realized that maybe what he was saying was, thank you for trusting me in the uh, I will work everything for good question that's pretty big yes yeah. thank you for trusting me in that but if you're going to trust me in that one are you going to trust me in the really hard things mm -hmm. the things like vengeance is mine says the lord mm -hmm. and jeff i saw where he was going with this he was going to ask me to forgive this guy who had stolen my entire life mm -hmm. and i knew i couldn't do it i didn't want to do it sure i mean my forgiveness experience has been like a lot of people. Um, 
you know, if it was little enough, maybe I could forgive it. Right. But right. Uh, as a kid, I'd learned the Lord's Prayer, and I knew that we were supposed to forgive people that hurt us. But I had never really been very successful at it. And so there I was, and he's telling me to f- that I'm, I'm, I, what I'm reading between the lines is that he wants me to forgive this guy. And so I tell him. Said, and this is that same night. This is, yes, this okay. is um, okay. like an hour, two hours maybe after wow. the shooting. Okay. Okay. I'm finally alone in my hospital room yeah. after all the doctors and nurses got through right. hooking me up. Um, and I'm by myself. And uh, I tell God, okay, there's another verse in the Bible that says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm thinking, well, all right. Is this going to be another one of those things in the Bible that I'm going to trust yeah. and it isn't going to work? This is going to be a great litmus test to see. So I told him, says, God, you tell me that I can forgive if I ask Christ to strengthen me to do it. Hmm. Well, okay, you're on. I'm going to ask you to forgive, to help me forgive, knowing that it's, this is beyond anything I want to do, much less have the ability to do. And if you want to for me to forgive, you're going to have to do all the heavy lifting. You're going to have to do the work. Yeah. And the instant I said that to him in my quiet prayer, the second weird thing happened. And it was bizarre. I cannot explain it. I've never heard it happening to other people before. But... As soon as I told him that I was going to try to forgive if he would do the work, there was a, a kind of like a, like a cloud, a golden glow kind of flowed over me from head to toe, maybe five or ten seconds, I don't know, and then it was gone. And it scared the fire out of me. I had never experienced anything like that. And then I started noticing that I felt different. Hmm. And all of that desire to hurt that person who had taken my wife's and son's life was gone and in its place and i can't explain this i'm just telling you in its place there was a total and complete forgiveness for everybody involved whoever that might be i didn't know who the guy in the ski mask was yeah or if there was anybody else with him but it was real i could tell this wasn't part of the (laughs) the uh drip so within hours, you yes, are, within, you come to the place where you've let it go. Yes, the anger, the wasn't the what I, wasn't my plan. Vengeance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite a night to even get to the place where I, I'm yeah. mad at God, but I need Him, so mm-hmm. I'm going to trust Him, even though I don't understand. Get to a place where you hear from Him, the shooter, forgive. You have that experience. Um, you know, not everybody in the good complexes are people of necessarily the common faith, mm-hmm. committed to the common good. Some, you know, many people of faith, others in, not. Um, but I, I want to stop there for just a second because you talked about God giving you the ability to get to that place. Um, do you think you could have gotten there on your own somehow? Oh, gosh, no. No, I, I, I didn't want to get there on my own. But even if I had wanted to, I've tried to forgive before. And I think I've gotten there, and then, boom, I'll see them down on the other end of the aisle at the grocery store, and all of a sudden I'll go cold again, and I'll turn my cart around and go a different look because I don't want to see them. And so, whereas I thought I had forgiven, I knew that it hadn't been complete. So, no, I couldn't have, no, I couldn't have. I couldn't have forgiven. So, really, miracle in this case of forgiveness would probably be a good way to describe it. As weird as it is, and folks, yeah. I'm just truly, I really am just a normal Joe, and I can't explain yeah. it any other way except it was a miracle. So you come to the place where, in essence, without knowing who it is, you sort mm-hmm. of pre-forgive this person yeah. that one day you'll probably mm-hmm. figure out who it is, and uh, and and so that you you go to bed that night, or you, I, I don't know if you you were in bed, I guess, but yeah. you wake up the next day, and there are. Uh, the police have ideas about yes. a suspect. Yes. And that's when I realized what might be happening here. Because the next day, after I'd received that instant forgiveness, uh, they told me that they'd found out that Bart wasn't about to graduate from college at all. 
fact, he wasn't even in school that semester. Mm. And reading between the lines, it wasn't hard to see that they were looking to him as being their number one suspect for maybe arranging the murders to try to hide right. um, you know, failures in school. Now, now I know that there was a mental illness of, involved, but at the time I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't son. know anything yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know why I'd done why this had happened, but I didn't know why I was still alive either. So, number one suspect from their end, you can tell, is your oldest son Bart that mm-hmm. he had it arranged this somehow, mm-hmm. and and yet he's still your son, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. how did you how did you navigate that? Because from what I understand, I mean, eventually that was confirmed. Yes, but. Uh, that that took time. So for those seven months of the investigation, I think it was, he's living in your home. You're yeah. right there together. This has just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, the police think yeah. this is the guy. How did how do you how do you navigate those seven months? Well, I told the police and I told Bart. I don't know who's telling the truth. The police were saying they thought he was responsible, but they wouldn't give me any proof or any indication other than that they wanted me to believe that. Bart was lying to me, at, I found out, but he was saying he was innocent. And so I told both of them, I don't know who's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And if I find out something, I'm going to tell the police. But I'm not going to abandon my son simply because you want to make it easy for your investigation. He's my son, uh, and I'm not, going to, I'm not going to walk away. Because here's the thing, I knew that Bart's faith was not as strong as Trisha's or Kevin's or mine. And if he was going to be the focus of an investigation that might actually lead to a trial one day, I knew that he needed someone with him to walk through this, to help him through it. And God forbid, if he was responsible in, in some way for his mother and brother's death, then I wanted him to see that God has a complete and total forgiveness for everyone, even murderers, who confess their sins and say, hey, I, I'm sorry, forgive me. And if, if anybody listening is faced with something that they feel like is too big, it's not. Hmm. We'll, t- we'll go through this in, in a little bit, and you'll see what I'm saying. Nothing is too, too great for God. He wants to redeem all our stories, regardless of what it might have ha- happened, whether it's like Bart's story of lying to his dad about his mother and brother's death or something else. So in time, it becomes clear that, yeah. that, the, that the suspicions of the police are, are true. I think Bart ran away for yeah. a while. Yes, um, after seven months... Um, the police had never told him not to leave or not to do any, not to stay in town or anything. Uh, but one night he walked downstairs and out the front door and out of my life. And later I found out that he'd run off to Mexico. And 15 months after he disappeared, um, he was brought back to face trial for arranging the murders. And even though I and all of my family and all of Trisha's family begged the district attorney for a year and a half to accept our plea bargain of two 40-year back-to-back life sentences in return for his guilty plea. They would not back away from um, pursuing the death penalty. And he was convicted of arranging the murders and um, was sentenced to die. So now it's not a theoretical person that you've pre-forgiven. This Mm -hmm. is your son that you know exactly what he's done, even though I know Mm -hmm. he was protesting his innocence for a long Mm -hmm. time there. But you, you know, Mm -hmm. he did this. Yeah. Um, How did that change the calculus of forgiveness then when there was a a person attached? It's your son and, and you've still got to make that choice. Yeah. That, I think, is is part of the proof that this uh, truly was a miraculous move by God because nothing's changed in, in the 15 or 16 years that um, has transpired since this event. The night of the shootings, I realized that I had, I had experienced total forgiveness for everybody, and there hadn't been a day since 
that it has changed. Now, knowing that God has this for this complete and unconditional forgiveness available for everybody who asks him for it, it reminded me of a story in the Bible. Um, some of your viewers may be familiar with the prodigal son story, but it, it, basically the kid asks for his inheritance early and runs off for a life of wine, women, and song and blows through all of his money. And his dad, who is aware of all of this foolishness, but who still loves him, mm-hmm. uh, has been praying that he will come to his senses and come back. And when he sees the, the kid coming back with repentance in his heart, he rushes out to him and accepts him back in the family. And, of course, the, the parable is designed to show God's kind of love for us. Mm-hmm. And I realized that by choosing to give me the miracle forgiveness on the night of the shootings before I found out that it might even be my own son I was forgiving, yeah. that would allow me to display that same kind of unconditional love. Because when mm-hmm. we went home from the hospital, I knew that he could have been responsible but at the same time, I didn't have any feeling of fear or of judgment. And that would have been impossible if I had not received that miracle forgiveness on the night of the shootings. Yeah. So I could be so the, in the prodigal son dad in real life. You know, in the prodigal story, in the Bible, the guy, the, the son who comes back is very repentant. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says, I, I don't deserve to be in the family. I yes. only deserve to be, right? and. And uh, and the father just kind of stops him and says, mm-hmm. "I get it, you know. Yeah. Come on." Uh, in your case, that that really wasn't so clear that Bart was taking responsibility, that no. he'd actually changed, no. that he understood what he had done, that he was repentant, that he was just even even owning yeah. what he had done. So, how do you f- talk about that a little bit? Forgiveness when the person is not saying, "I'm sorry." They're not taking ownership. They mm-hmm. don't seem to get it. There's nothing in their life yet that would suggest they've somehow changed. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you forgive somebody when they don't say, I'm sorry? Is, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, techniques and tools in a minute that will help you forgive. Honestly, I didn't have to go through that part of it because the night of the— I'm telling you, it yeah. was a complete—I yeah. I didn't do anything for it. It so was, but it was, it was no complete. What. Yes, and it was for everybody and anybody who was responsible for it. Um, but in answer to your question, I knew I was still alive for some reason mm-hmm. because I should have died that night. I mean, two men standing still, seven or eight feet away, and the shooter had already killed two people. Mm-hmm. There's no way he should have missed me. I mean, he hit me up here in the shoulder instead of in the chest. Uh, So I knew that there was a reason for me to be alive, and I realized, okay, God made sure I had this forgiveness before I found out my son might be the one I'm forgiving. So maybe my reason for being alive is to display that forgiveness or display that unconditional love to him. And whether he was repentant or not, hmm. uh, you know, that was yeah. what I was here to do, I figured. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I did. Now, later, after he was arrested, the first time I saw him when he got back, the very first thing he said was, Dad, I don't understand why all of this happened, but I'm going to make it as quick and painless as possible for everybody. And while we didn't know if the the meeting which took place through a phone through a glass and by phones was being recorded and if that was even admissible in in a trial uh, i wouldn't let him come right out and say and he he didn't come right out and say i did it i'm sorry but he did apologize and later um he had he did apologize and took ownership of all of it um right he's at a, com- a different place now he's at a as different far as place we can tell. yeah, yeah. So if somebody, 
you know, we've all had things happen in our life that we have mm-hmm. to forgive, not quite like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is on a whole different level, right? So that that makes me think, okay, I, I've got to know this guy a little bit named Kent Whitaker who chose to forgive if, if anything would be in the unforgivable category, this is, mm-hmm. you know, one of those things that for many would be in that category. So I consider you a, a forgiveness expert. You didn't set out to become a forgiveness no. expert, <laughs> but here you are. Um, and you, you would say part of your, one of the reasons that maybe you're still here is to help people who are holding on to things. Absolutely. Forgive because... Because we know there's a cost to forgiveness, mm-hmm. to let that go, this thing we're holding on to. But there's also a cost, a much greater cost of non-forgiveness. Yeah. So talk about the cost of forgiveness, the cost of non-forgiveness. Just okay. talk about that a little bit. Okay. Here's an analogy that I've used, and I've I've shared this story thousands and thousands of people. And, and I know this, that uh, if anybody will, will f- follow these suggestions— you know, they'll be able to forgive. They really mm-hmm. will. And they will be able to. But I like to describe it this way. When somebody hurts you really bad, there is a deep and emotional, painful wound. And there's this anger and this this fury that wells up inside you. And because now you're going to do something about it. You're going to get even, Right. But all of that heat and energy that creates that sense of empowerment that now you're going to do something so mm-hmm. you have some control over your life again, mm-hmm. um, all of that heat and energy has also created something that we don't recognize, and it's a big, big cost. There's a, uh, what I, I like to call a uh, emotional poison mm. that is cooked up, and it happens every time with all of us. We're just so hurt that we don't realize it's happening. Mm-hmm. And that poison is strong stuff. In fact, it is actually the fuel that pushes revenge. Mm-hmm. And it is so powerful that it actually leaks out sideways uh, into our other relationships. Mm-hmm. And either we deal with it through forgiveness or it stays with us because it doesn't evaporate. Mm-hmm. It just rests the time, there. Time is not going to fix it. No, that. it isn't going to go away in time. And it is going to um, it's going to pollute our relationships, um, and eventually, if we don't deal with it through forgiveness, the uh, consequences of that poison in our decision-making process becomes the new normal for our life, and it, it's a bad luck. So you, you made the forgiveness choice. We'll come back around to, hey, if somebody's in that situation, how could they actually pull this off? But I want to get to the rest of the story because it's not the end of the story, no, right? No, it's and not. For, for Bart, for your son, for you, for, you know, so on. Um, and your story, though, would have been very different if you chose to not forgive. Like you, you chose forgiveness, but, mm-hmm. but the, sto- the rest of the story is really— uh, kind of what can happen when you do choose it is. that road. My life is so different now as a result of that one decision, the decision that I made to, to tell God, all right, I know that faith in anything, regardless of what it is, faith in anything is an act of willpower. It has nothing to do with your emotions mm. because your emotions will, will lie to you. Yeah. And they'll get you to make bad decisions. No, uh, faith is when you choose to believe something is true when everything around you is shouting that it's not. Mm -hmm. And for a Christian, one of those kind of things is, I know what the Bible says about something, but it doesn't make sense, and I don't see how it applies. But you choose through willpower to trust him, to be faithful in what he says, even though it doesn't make sense to you. And that was that was the one thing I did right in all this. Hmm. I told God, I don't know how you're going to do it, uh-huh. but I'm going to trust you and it doesn't make any sense at all. And because I chose to trust him, then bang, I got the instant forgiveness. Bang, that allowed me to witness to my own son to see what, what God is available to do for all of us. 
And by the way, later he told me, after he was arrested and brought back and we were talking, he told me, he said, Dad, I don't see how you did it. How could you do that? And I said, Bart, it wasn't because I wanted to. Mm. It was because God had already healed that. God had settled that question. And, you know. Yeah. So Bart um, Bart was convicted. Yes. He put on death row. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, eventually a date, you know, that came for mm-hmm. uh, his own um, his own execution to yep. happen. Um, tell us about what happened there. What kind of what happened through that process? What's going on with Bart now? Okay, um, in the state of Texas, what happens is after all of the appeals are are settled, and the final appeal is um, the Supreme Court choosing not to pick up the case for anything. And so all of the legal appeals are um, exhausted. And at that point, the state of Texas sets an execution date. And his was scheduled in mid-October, I think, for February 22nd, the next year. And so at that point, uh, the only option you've got for relief is through the Pardons and Parole Board. And in Texas, you know, there's seven members of the Pardons and Parole Board, and they're all death penalty advocates, former policemen, mm-hmm. far, former district attorneys. And, you know, e- there's even um, so, someone from uh, the Texas Department of Corrections on, on the board. So these are all people that are not used to approving right. commutations. Right. So we knew that that was a long shot anyway. But the thing is that Bart had spent the 11 years he was on death row— uh, being a, a a a calming influence. It's an awful place. Mm-hmm. People are locked up in their cages, uh, 24 hours a day. No community, anything. No access to phones, or computers, or um, the internet. They're they are in solitary confinement, 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. And so there's a lot of a mental illness, and and things break out, and people get hurt. Um, guards get hurt, and Bart was a calming influence, and he settled a lot of things down through shouting down the halls and um, being able to talk through the chain uh, in recreation when there's another guy mm-hmm. on the other side. And he actually had five death row guards write letters to the parole board recommending that he mm-hmm. receive commutation. Uh, a lot of people sent letters because he had in, impacted a lot of people's lives. He's helped them, helped them get um, their GEDs and their high school diplomas. And uh, he spoke Spanish very well because he ran down to Mexico, right? Uh, so he helped a lot of people who were, who with Spanish as their main language, learn English. And he pointed out suggestions on on appeals things. Uh, so he was well liked by everybody and so the parole board made their announcement two days before the execution you know they had their private vote everybody voted independently Mm -hmm. and the seven members of the parole board voted to recommend that bart's um, conviction be changed to uh, or be commuted to life in prison without parole all seven it was unanimous that had never happened Mm -hmm in the history of Texas before. In fact, the most recent death penalty commutation was 10 years earlier. Hmm. So this is not something that was very, this had never happened. Uh, And so um, Governor Abbott eventually chose to follow their recommendation and commuted his sentence. That was very last minute. Uh, Yeah. Within about 30 minutes or something, yeah. If uh, If the call had not gone through, Within 32 minutes, the drip would have started. Yeah. So it was it was close. So bringing it back to forgiveness, do you how how do you think your decision and your family's decision to forgive influenced Bart to where he became the person where people would recommend that his sentence be commuted? Well, he had been in a dark place, and you know there were drugs involved and. Um, I think, I think that the example I showed him that, you know, 
if his goofball dad, with all of the problems that he had, is was able to forgive him as a result of what his dad was saying was a miracle from God, then I think he viewed that and said, well, maybe it is possible. Maybe there really is a God out there mm-hmm. that that would hope. forgive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now the shooter. Yes. So, you know, Bart... I assume arranged for the shooter, yeah. but the shooter was also found and mm-hmm. tried. And uh, yeah, um, the shooter uh, was offered a single uh, first-degree murder charge for 30 years uh, charge, and and he accepted that that plea and is um, he's serving his term now. And you were involved in that trial. Yes, at the end. Um, the uh, the judge in his trial allowed me to read. In fact, we'll talk about that. Now, this might be a good time to, to, to start. When we started this, I said that I was going to mention some tools that we could use that would actually help us yep. to forgive. And um, the very best way, I think, to start is to write a letter to the person listing everything that they've taken from you, that their actions stole from you. And when you get to the end of that list, um, you write, and I choose to forgive you for all of it. Now, you may not be able to do that yet. Mm-hmm. I get that. But you write that down, and then you sign it. And here's why this works. See, most of the time when somebody really hurts us, uh, the consequences of that action pile up. There are just so many. And... It's you're in a state of shock and and anyway, and sometimes you don't even recognize some of the consequences for a while. Yeah. Because you just can't take it all in at sure. once. It's too painful. Yeah. But you can't forgive if you can't recognize the loss and mm-hmm. acknowledge that it exists. Mm-hmm. So you have to write that list. If you write that list showing all of the things that they took, uh, and you look at it, then you know what you're forgiving. Mm-hmm. And that was the list that I read to the to uh, the young man, and I told him at the end, but I choose to forgive you for all of it. And the letter, I'm telling you guys, this works. This, it, I've done this with Bart. I've done this with others since then, and it really does help focus the the forgiveness. Um, another th- tool that you can do if you can't write that letter yet, yeah, is to. Uh, Ask God to change you so that you can write it. And I like to call this praying backwards. You go to where you know God wants you to be, okay. but you can't get there yet. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, God, you want me to forgive this person, but I can't do it yet. I want to be like Kent. Change my heart from the inside, and if you want to do it instantly, that would be just awesome. But if not, I'm going to continue to pray this every day for the next 30 days or 60 days or however long it takes. I want you to change my heart, God, so that I want to forgive. Hmm. And since forgiveness is his requirement, since that's what shows up in the large prayer, right? That you, that we're to forgive those who hurt us. That's the commandment. And since forgiveness is what he wants for our life anyway, that's a prayer that I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to answer. Right. So this might... This might be a little much. You can tell me that. But, you know, you talked about writing that letter, praying mm-hmm. backwards as two powerful tools to help mm-hmm. us get to where we we would at least would love to get to be once mm-hmm. we understand the power of forgiveness and the mm-hmm. danger of unforgiveness. Um, take me back to that courtroom with the shooter when you're reading that letter. Essentially, mm-hmm. what, what did you say in that letter? Oh, gosh. Um you know, Jeff, one of the, you know, I said you, you don't recognize all of the consequences at first. I'll never forget. It was a week or two after the sh- after the shootings that I realized, yeah, you're never going to be a grandfather. Hmm. You're never going to have grandkids. You're never going to see your children have children. Mm-hmm. And that was crushing to me. Sure. I can't tell you. So anyway, that's the sort of, I listed all of the things that, I mean, I had I had dated Trisha since she was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the only 
one I ever wanted to spend my life with. You know, we were approaching, you know, getting closer to retirement age when we were going to go out and have fun. We'd work hard. Uh, we were we were empty nesters. Life mm-hmm. was changing, and all of that was lost. And uh, so I le- read this list, and when I got down to the end of it, mm-hmm. what I said was, "Your choices." cost me this and I'm going to be paying for the rest of my life for because of your bad decisions but here's the deal God loves you still and he is a God of second chances and forgiveness and if you will ask God to forgive you for this he will and while you are you your choices have placed yourself in a really dark place where your options are much fewer than they would have been out in the free world the truth is even inside those walls there are opportunities for you to make a difference in people's lives and in an effort to help you make that choice I want you to know I forgive you for all of this stuff and now I was just bawling up there when I started reading all those lists. I, I, I couldn't hold it together. But at the same time, I was able to see through all the tears that his head was down facing the table in front of him. He, and But when I said, but in an effort to help you make the choice to make a difference in people's lives, I'm going to forgive you for all of it. His head popped up and there was this surprised look on his face like, what? Hmm. And that's the gift that God has for everybody. Yeah. Now, you could have gotten more easily stuck in bitterness, unforgiveness, than mm-hmm. choosing to what, we, what we're talking about, than choosing to forgive. We've given the update on Bart and the mm-hmm. shooter and how that is transformative for them. Um, but in your life, you know, it'd be easy, you know, let, let's say you're on the other side of, the, of that trial and— your son's on death row. You're still living in the same house where mm-hmm. the tragedy happened. Yep. You, mm. Your wife is gone. Your son is gone. You're by yourself. Um, if anybody had a reason to think my life is over, my life's yep. been destroyed, you you did, uh, but your life wasn't over. No. And, uh, and, and God did have a future <coughs> for you there, you know. So, um, in fact, you met. Tanya, mm-hmm. I'm remarried. See, Got a yeah, ring on yeah, that. and uh, and you've got even though what you've been through, you've been through. You have an also a, a incredible life. Mm-hmm. Um, for somebody who is at a place, I, I'll bring it back to forgiveness again in a minute. But for somebody who's a play is in a place that they just feel like their life is over right mm-hmm. now because of whatever has mm-hmm. happened to them or maybe they've made their own mistakes or whatever it is what would you say to that person i'd say that it isn't over it's not over um there's always another chance see the thing is god wants to redeem all of our stories mm-hmm. regardless of what's been written so far and there's been some awful things written i get that but he wants to he not only wants to redeem all of those stories, he's ready, willing, and able to do it. The kicker is, are we going to let go of all of that hurt, all of that loss, all of the resentment and the pain? Are we going to turn it over to him and say, your word says you're going to work this for good. I don't see it just like Whitaker didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But... I'm willing to turn it over to you, just trusting that you know faith is is faith, and that that you're gonna gonna be able to make something happen, you know, positive of this. And if we're able to turn it over, then it gives us hope, doesn't it? Because now, here's the thing: if we're able in blind faith to turn over all of our losses, just trusting Him to be faithful in his promise that he is going to work it for good if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, then that changes everything because now we have hope. Yeah. And that hope comes from knowing that all of this pain, 
is going to be used for a divine purpose in spite of itself. And that just blows me away. Yeah. That just that's just amazing to me. But my life is proof that this is what happens. So we know how what your life is like now. If you had chosen not to forgive, if you were still holding on to the anger, the hurt, the bitterness, mm-hmm. all that, how what would what would your life be like right now, you think? Well, I know that my new wife Tanya would not have been interested in a relation <laughs> yeah. with me. Yeah. Um See, that bitterness, that poison, the Bible calls it a, a, a root of bitterness. And there's a lot of talk about root of bitterness. Well, what they're talking about is that poison. Uh, and that poison stays in you, and it, it damages your relationships uh, in ways that you can't even expect. You don't even see most of the time. But it, if, I had, if I had held on to the anger and the desire for revenge... Uh, it would have polluted my relationships to the point where I would be operating, uh, making choices based on that poison, you know, seeping out into the other other relationships. And I would not be a happy person. Here's the thing, Jeff. When we forgive, it doesn't give the other person power over you it just Hmm. does the opposite it takes their power away Mm -hmm. you see when we hold on to uh, a need to revenge or hold on to that hate that is the focus of our life we're looking at the negative things that happened in the past which we can't change Mm -hmm. but if we'll get a step away from that and turn it over to god and say all right i'm done with it i'm done you take it I trust you to be be fair and to take care. I'm not going to worry myself. All of a sudden, it frees us to potential. Uh, oh, God says He's got promises. He He's got plans for us, and they're good plans, mm-hmm. so that we can have hope in a future. And when we let go and let Him take over the 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 hatred part then it frees us up to to find those and he will bring them our way. Yeah. So there's a since we're both people of faith and we're uh-huh. both Christians in our faith, we've talked you know alluded to the Bible a good bit. You know, there's another verse that says we're to be quick to or excuse me, slow to anger and quick to forgive. Mhm. Um you know, we're in a world right now that's quick to anger and slow to forgive. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a very important conversation and a very uh, timely one because there's so much anger and so little unforgiveness mm-hmm. in our world right now. And somehow we've got to flip that, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, to not let anger um, move us to bitterness, but let anger move us to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And those are two two very different roads. Let me give you some insights into, because um, see, part of the problem is that not only have we never been taught how to forgive, you know, it just goes completely against our human nature. It just seems like it's the wrong thing to do. When somebody hurts us deeply, it seems like the only way we're ever going to feel better is to hurt them back, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Right. Well, let me go through some misunderstandings about uh, forgiveness. The first one is, I mentioned it earlier, that forgiveness is not forgetting. Mm-hmm. You know, the old saying, forgive yeah. and forget. Yeah. Well, some people don't want to forgive because they think it, they need to forget. And that's, like I said, that was ridiculous. Uh, you only forget things that are trivial. Right. And if you were abused as a child, that's not trivial. Mm-hmm. I used to have a friend who claimed to have forgiven her dad for some awful things. And yet she was still trapped in that loss because she could not face up to the full uh, acknowledgement of all of the consequences of what he'd done. Mm-hmm. I think that some things are so big that if you were able to forget it, it would not be forget forgiveness or forgetfulness at all. It'll be den- it would be denial, mm-hmm. which is what she was suffering from. And um, so. It's not, you don't have to forget. God forgets, but we're not God. We mm-hmm. can't do it. 
the the second thing is we can't do it ourselves just by trying harder you know we actually need god's help and power to forgive that may be the most um, insightful thing i learned from december 10th all of those things when i was in the hospital i realized that our design specs are not sufficient to forgive forgive something big yeah i think that may be the most godlike thing that we ever do mm. and we don't have god's power we yeah. don't have a strength we actually need his strength to forgive our job is to ask him to help us mm-hmm. to acknowledge that this is our weakness yeah yeah, yeah this isn't this isn't a do-it-yourself project mm-hmm. uh we need god's help to do it um the third thing is that forgiveness does not let the other person off the hook. And I've heard this so many times. People say, well, why should they get away with it? Well, hmm. it doesn't mean that they're getting away with it. And it doesn't justify what happens. It doesn't take away the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. I like to say, if your business partner steals from you, you forgive them. But that doesn't mean you have to stay in business with them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to call a police and an attorney and fight like everything to get back what they stole from you. Mm-hmm. It just means that you don't take the, the Texas solution and whip out your Glock and settle it yourself. <laughs> right. You turn it over to God. And the fourth thing that that is different, or, or it, we confuse about forgiveness, and this one surprised me. Forgiveness doesn't actually... Um, heal you from the experience hmm. but it is necessary for the for the healing to take place okay. and this is that root of bitterness thing again what forgiveness does excuse me what bitterness does is it steps into that wound and it neutralizes and washes away all that poison um, you know that's been hanging hmm. around there for 20 years yeah because only when the poison is gone will God step into the uh, true wound and heal it like he can do it. Mm. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why doesn't he just come on in and, and heal me, and then I'll feel like forgiving? And I think, Jeff, that it goes back to uh, God's original decision to give us free will. You know, he said... I don't want a robot. Mm-hmm. If I want you to choose me for my character and for the, how much I love you, um, he's a gentleman. He isn't going to step in where he isn't wanted. And if we don't want him to to help us do a job that he, we all know mm-hmm. we aren't able to do on our own, yeah. um, he's going to stand back like the prodigal son's dad and wait for us to come to our senses and then and at that point uh when we ask him to help us forgive and we start that process of praying about it the neutralization starts and the and the poison goes away and over time we'll look back and say whoa i i truly can i've forgiven him i really have and it's a surprise well after your story you know, I, I think a lot of us who now know your story, you know, we all have things in our life. We have hurts we tend to hold on to. Doesn't seem like at least I have much of an excuse to keep hanging on to any, <laughs> you know, because your yeah. your story is so stark and, and so big. And, and it's really amazing to see the power of forgiveness. And, and, and my hope is that we would all be able to choose that to bring healing to our own souls relationships in our world you know that i'm going to give you the last word i would like the last word because there's something that i wanted to address that we haven't haven't addressed yet and that was um my claim that the verse in the bible uh romans 8 28 thing that that god will take it all and work it for good for those who have called upon him and 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 um, trust him. Uh, I want to throw a couple of things out there to show you that this is true. This is this is real, and it it works. I mean, obviously, besides the fact that 
my relationship with Bart, with my son, is the best it's ever been. There's been um, some other things as well. Um, Bart lied about his about his um, graduation to get us out of the house, right? Right. And um, when he chose to pursue his his education, he wanted to make it right with with Trisha's memory. And in the, and you mean in prison? Yes, in prison. His yes. Yeah. 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 When he when he uh, got his bachelor's and his master's. Um, he, it was hard, hmm. but he chose to uh, pursue that uh, just to honor what he promised to to, um, to Tricia about. There was the parole board's unanimous uh, vote. That had never happened before. Yeah. Uh, I have had the opportunity to tell my story of forgiveness for to so many people, but I want to nail it down with the final thing of, about how he has blessed me as a result of that choice. Um, a couple of weeks after the shootings, my friend Laurie called me and said, I am claiming a word. I said, I was reading the Bible today and in um, uh, Jeremiah, and I came across a verse and I'm claiming it for you. Now, I had never had anybody claim a verse for me before. I'd heard about you know, that people doing that um, but I never had it but one thing I knew is I didn't want her to claim anything from Jeremiah because <laughs> he's known as the weeping prophet because everything he, everything he said was a downer uh, mm. God was using him as as Israel's conscience in this worst thing in their history which was the Babylonian captivity and they were hauled away and they thought God had deserted them but here is what he said in Jeremiah 31, 3, and 4. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have built you, and I will, and you will be rebuilt. Once again, you will take up your tambourine and dance with the joyful. Man, I, I held on to that hope because yeah. I knew it wasn't written for me. I mean, it was, what, 3,000 years old or something. I knew it wasn't written specifically for me, but I wanted to dance again. I wanted to feel alive again. Mm. And I told God that if he healed me to the point where I could fall in love again, I would um, bring a tambourine to my wedding reception. <laughs> so I went out All right. and I bought this one. Oops, sorry about that. I bought this one. I don't know if you guys can see it, but... Uh, I put the whole verse. Oh, Jeremiah on, 31. Yeah, Jer yeah. 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 And I hung that on the wall in my office. Uh, and I must have looked at that thing thousands of times wondering, you know, is it going to come true? Yeah. Well, it took five years and a series of miraculous events. But Tanya was brought back in, was brought into my life. Uh, who She lived in Dallas and I was in Houston five mm -hmm. hours away. Um, and when we... We got married a year later, and when we left uh, our wedding, it wasn't to rice or bubbles or anything. It was to hundreds of people waving these tiny little uh, little yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, tambourines with the verse written on it. And hope right in the middle. And hope, yes, yeah, yeah. and hope. Because that was what our story was about. It was about hope. And the thing I would leave those watching with is that, I am just a normal, normal guy who made one decision right, and that was to trust God when it didn't make sense. And he honored that. He gave me back my son. Yes, he's in prison, but he's alive, and he is a different person now. He gave me a new wife who, by the way, had three children, and now I have three grandchildren, mm -hmm. which I oh, thought I would never have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, I have, I, I had a new career, and uh, but best of all, I'm able to come on shows like this and share that it is possible for the average, just normal run-of-the-mill person yeah. to, to truly forgive choice. something huge. Yeah, huge. So before we 
step out here. Um, I didn't prepare you for this. Uh oh. But uh, <laughs> I just, I'm just wondering. You know, it, let, let's. You know, we talked about the last word. Um, what would you say to your son? You know, if he was listening, what would you say to him right now? Um, well, I guess I would say, just look. You knew, you know me. You lived with me for for your twenty three years, and since then, the time in prison. You know my weaknesses, my failures. You know that I'm just a normal person. Um, and yet, I have been able to display the kind of love that God has for you. Hmm. And if your goofball dad <laughs> can exhibit and live out for all these years um, this this kind of love, maybe maybe there really is a God that loves you that way. Hmm. That's what I'd say. That's a good last word. It's the same yep. way for everybody. Yep. That's the kind of love he has for everyone. Well, Kent, thank you so much for oh, telling gosh. your story and for challenging us with yeah. it to to make the sacrificial but beneficial mm-hmm. choice of forgiveness. Thanks. Thanks oh, so thank much. you, Jeff. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I know what your church has done and stands for, and I'm truly honored to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And next time I eat sugar, I'm going to think about Sugarland. <laughs> I'm going to think about Kent. That's so, right. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. What an amazing story. And certainly leaves me probably like you thinking, you know what? If he can forgive that, I think I can probably make the forgiveness choice in, in whatever situation I'm in. And in our world today uh, that is so quick to retaliate, so quick to try to get even, Uh, This is really an opportunity to buck that trend and say, no, I'm going to give up that right and choose to forgive. And when we do, all we do is help ourselves, right, as well as make our world way, way better. And that's what The Good Complex is all about. I'm so glad that you've joined us on The Good Complex. Uh, Between now and next episode, let's, let's make it good. 